0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host Dan Johnson and today I'm talking with Andrew Montz. Andrew is one of the hosts of the Ohio Outdoors Podcast and we talk about tech, not not necessarily um, technology that goes into a specific product, but the tech gear like hunting apps. We talk about electronics like cell cams. We talk about Ozonics machines. We talk about, let's see, I got my little paper here. Um, e bikes. We talk about uh, um, other software on computers like Deer Lab. We talk about products like Garmin uh, sites, uh, electrical sites on, on bows and things like that. So it's really tech focused and electronics focused today. And uh, long story short, that's the, the gist of this podcast. Uh, um, I know that there's always these two schools of thought when it comes to products like this and it's 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 really the old school versus the new school and that can change depending on who you are right i know there's groups of guys out there who are like oh dude compound bows are you know what you know they're weak so they like the trad bows and so they they always talk trash on on the the upper side or the the newer technology so to speak and the same thing happens with trail cameras or guys who even use trail cameras or guys who use uh, Ozone or guys who use, uh, I mean, even even apps that uh, say they predict deer movement. So with that said, that's the discussion uh, for today. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, we're going to run through some commercials here real quick. If you're looking for a saddle, you need to go check out Tethered. Uh, man, they have everything you need as far as saddle hunting is concerned they got climbing sticks they have uh, saddles they have platforms they have all the accessories you need to uh, to get what you need to start saddle hunting and then they also have the education portion of it too on their youtube channel and on their website so go check out tethered Uh, then definitely uh, when it comes to an app that i use a lot that's hunt stand and that's some of the technology that we talk about today and the cool thing about Hunt Stand is the, it's really affordable and it has a ton of functionality and that's why it's probably the number one most downloaded hunting app that there is. And uh, the cool thing about that is is the functionality, right? You can do everything you've heard it before. You can find landowner names. You can um, do like drop pins. You can mark distance, uh, acreage. You know, there's a whole bunch of that. But then you can also Store and manage trail camera photos on it, and um, and really just play around with it to journal the places that you hunt, and that information goes a long way when trying to figure out deer movement. So, uh, check out huntstand.com. Discount code SN20 for twenty percent off. And then, lastly, we have Annihilator broadheads. Now, Annihilator has some really cool. Technology, not necessarily tech, but technology behind their products as well. And if you haven't listened to the Annihilator Broadhead podcast that I did on the Hunting Gear podcast, you need to go uh, that episode. You need to go check that out. Uh, these guys have some really cool. Uh, it's a unique design uh, for a broadhead, and there's reasons why it's designed that way, and that's to reduce drag on the arrow, uh, causing more pass-throughs. So there's a ton of really good information uh, out there about Annihilator. All you got to do is go check it out. So uh, tethered, hunt stand annihilator broadheads please go out and uh check out those brands and uh support the brands that support this podcast other than that i think that's it uh, huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast huge shout out to andrew for uh taking time out of his day to hop on and, and chat with me go make sure you go check out the ohio outdoors podcast even if you don't live in ohio these guys are putting out some really good episodes that uh I'm sure you'll enjoy. So there's that. Check out the Sportsman the Sportsman's Empire podcast network and enjoy your weekend, guys. All right, welcome to the Hunting Gear podcast and today I am joined by one of the brothers of the Sportsman's Empire, Andrew from the Ohio Outdoors podcast. Andrew, how are we doing, man? Fabulous, Dan. How are you today? I'm doing good. All the kids are back in school. So my blood pressure is at an all-time low. I'm feeling relaxed. And uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool being in a house and you're the only one. I mean, you know how relaxing that is? It's crazy.
1: Yeah, I am feel I, I feel you on that right now. Uh, I had my knee operated on yesterday, uh, so I needed the complete quiet and silence. My wife took care of to <laughs> taking our kids to school and everything today, and it's been nice. What, so,
0: what kind of knee surgery did you have?
1: Uh, I had a torn meniscus, so it's nothing like crazy, but... It's enough that it's actually, the funny part is I had the same thing last year at this time, except it was in my right knee. This one year was on my left knee last year's was annoying. So I just kind of put it off until after the hunting season, but this yeah. one this year was, it was painful. So I told the doctor, I was like, Hey man, we're going to expedite this because I got 30 days to be able to climb up in a tree. Yeah. And so he
0: did. And here we go. There you go. Well, hopefully you are on the fast recovery. And let me, speaking of bodies and not being used to things. So you know, I run the Sportsman's Empire, and so a lot of time is spent sitting down in a chair in front of a computer. I do work out every day or try to work out every day. Um, I would say I'm not in the best shape of my life, but I'm definitely not in the worst. Like, I, I feel like I am living an active lifestyle. Well, my dad called me up. He's like, I, uh, I need help. Can you help me? And so he has a property out um, by where he lives that he inherited from my grandma, and he's turning, it's all ag, but he's turning half of it into prairie and the other half is cash rent for crops, right? So he wants to put a building out there. So yesterday I did physical labor for the first time in a long time. And I don't mean like, I don't know, like building a stud wall or, you know, f- hanging drywall. I mean like I shoveled and raked rocks. I, I used a sledgehammer to pound stakes in the ground and I just walked away from yesterday. Just, I woke up this morning. I didn't even have a drop to drink, but I felt like I had a hangover. And so I, I just. You were out I, doing man shit. I know, That's right? Cool, I know. And so I was not like, I'm not in physical labor shape. I mean, I'm in go to the gym for one hour shape, but not physical labor, you know, seven, eight hours. Of swinging a sledgehammer and and shoveling and raking rock and and drilling and and all this up and down off the knees and shit. So, uh, kudos to everybody who does that. You are not a puss. There you go. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, today, right, I had a couple guys back out and uh, um, you so graciously jumped in today on this podcast, but we're going to talk about technology. And I don't, necessarily think i want to talk about let's say like the technology that goes into a broadhead that kind of stuff i want to talk about tech types of technology where there's batteries it's electronics it's um apps it's computers it's it's things like that that uh, are designed for hunters or outdoorsmen to make our lives maybe a little easier so uh does that sound good to you Sure. Yeah. All right. And so basically what I did here was I created a list of products that I know of, or I use, or I have, or I want that, uh, that we can talk about. And hopefully this, what this does is it sparks some conversation about, um, if it does in fact make hunting easier, if it actually helps, if it's just gimmick, if it, uh, I don't know, you know, conversation like that. So, um, you, you brought up a really good one before we started recording and I, I want to move it to the first thing that we talk about because it's something that I don't know if I, I'll ever feel comfortable with and that is the electric sights where you like push a button on your bow and it ranges it for you and it comes back with yardage you know what I'm yeah. talking about I think Gar, Garmin makes a sight like that yeah, those are
1: real popular. Um, when we were down at ATA last year, that was a big thing that they were pushing. And I know over on Go Wild and stuff, that's one of the, um, you know, bigger items that they have and that kind of stuff. I'm kind of with you, man. I, it is very nice in theory, um, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure I'm, I'm cool with the whole, like, the ethics side of it or if it's, too easy and um for me it's never too easy but
0: yeah
1: i, I don't know it's uh it's uh, it's definitely going to be kind of touchy at least in my book
0: yeah so the the whole point of it is it's basically a range finder built into your site right so right. I, i'm trying to play devil's advocate against my own thought process here and say well i i trust a rangefinder, so why can't i trust uh, first off, in Iowa, it is illegal to have a, di- a digital. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I guess I haven't checked the rules recently, but the last time I did check the rules, any type of battery-powered sight is illegal for a for a bow hunter. So that number one, everything, everything in that category, it doesn't interest me because I I literally can't have it. But just from the standpoint of I trust my rangefinder, why shouldn't I trust this? Um, and the thing that keeps popping up into my head is, you know, when you draw back or or you, you range, you start to range whatever your target and it comes back with a, a number. I just feel like if the deer makes a move or jumps or runs or, or comes one way or the other real quick, I may forget either may forget to hit the button again and rely on the technology too much, not necessarily my pins per se, or, uh, bump it while I'm, like adjusting and i don't realize it and then i put the dot on the animal and it's uh you know it it's not where it needs to be so i don't know just little things like that have got me questioning that kind of technology
1: i and it's one of those things i think we look at like you know iphone or your, your smartphone and they pack so much in there you can take pictures you can call people you can facetime you can send emails all that kind of stuff and and hunting stuff's no different. We're just trying to you know, it was a Vortex has the binocular rangefinder combo. It's like we're trying to make the Swiss army knives of
0: uh everything, really.
1: of everything for you know, into your hunting, before you know it, you're gonna have some kind of binocular thing built into your site. And I get it, right? And then there's the, the the part of it that you're you want to make the most most ethical kill. And in theory, if you have an up to speed or up to time um range of that deer there's no guessing involved you're more likely going to be right where you're at but at the same time in the kind of traditional side of things and of course sitting here with a compound bow and everything else yeah. that's not super traditional but it's not the same you know so yeah. I, I that's where i get torn the other thing is man anything that has batteries in it like my luck those batteries fail when i need them so <laughs> that's uh, a fact that's every time so then then what happens if you've got a big buck in front of your battery dies are you guessing at what range you're at and
0: yeah. man that gets iffy so yeah yep i uh, agree 100% um i don't i can't think of anything else on a bow that might have a might be battery powered right um so i had an interesting one last year
1: i and I'm not knocking this isn't a knock on any brand in particular, but I have one of those Tacticam whatever's right? oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can throw it on your stabilizer. And I was actually on the ground hunting that day and it was dusk and I'm I had the deer come in and I thought, Oh great, this is perfect. I'm just gonna turn this on. I get I was just first time I was gonna get to use this camera. Well it's got like a nice blue and green light that starts you know, pulsating. Yeah. Well, guess who saw that and took off? Really? Uh, yeah. So that was one of, one of those things that the battery didn't die. It was too good, right? It And then it had this light on there. And, of course, that's something easy fix. Just throw a piece of tape over it, or I'm sure there's probably a setting where I can turn that off. But from a technology side of things, that ruined it. Yeah. If I didn't have that, it might have been a completely different story. Yeah. Uh, here I am trying to put an extra, you know, camera out. Or what?
0: I'm trying to put a camera out. I'm not big on the filming thing yet, but yeah. So, do you think that was user error, or do you think that is uh, product error?
1: Well, it's the user not being completely in tune with the product, if yeah. that makes sense. I mean, I if I was, I, I get why Tactic can't put that on there. so you know, it's either it's recording or it's on or whatever. But in that situation, it hadn't crossed my mind that this light. And I think that some of those. Well, there are sites that have lights on their site tape and stuff, so you can see where you're at. Yep. That's something else where it's like, I mean, I don't know about you, and it's dark. I, I try to stay off my phone and everything, cause I do not need any type of gleaming bulb, you know, yeah. giving my my area away. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't really have to worry about that, cause the last time I checked, that that stuff's illegal in uh, in Iowa. Uh, do you see? You're in Ohio, so is Ohio? Ohio you can use crossbows. Right? Yeah. yeah. So do you or any of the guys that you know use crossbows? And the reason I'm asking this is because of the um, – they have red dot scopes for uh, for crossbows that I'm pretty sure take batteries.
1: Yeah. Um, I have used crossbow in the past. I don't currently – I know people that do. And I'm trying to think. The sight that I had on there, it might have – it's got pins that I think you can – turn the light on. So they glow a little bit more in the dark, but it's yeah. not a true, true red dot. If You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure.
1: So yeah, it's they're helpful. Definitely helpful, especially in low light situations. But yeah. again, if you're not staying on top of your batteries and it's probably one of the, you know what the problem with that one is, is you are out, it's dark, you put your light on just in case gets light out. You walk back to your truck, you put your crossbow away, you forget to turn the light off because you had it on when it was dark. And the next time you go out, it's been on forever, you know? So it's more, there's, there's another one of those user error, yeah. perhaps more than
0: the, yeah. the actual technology. But So the next topic I want to kind of cover is trail cameras, cell cams, right? Um, like I, I love it. It's just generational. It like, and when I mean generational, I mean like when, when you talk to your dad or your grandpa or somebody like that in an older generation, they're like, God, you got it so easy today. And then, and then like, the people who were born in, in 1870 were telling the people who were born in 1900 how easy they have it. You know what I mean? And, and we look back at things like that and, and we're just like blown away. And because that's just what we have available, what we're accustomed to. Um, and so, even there's, I remember when trail cameras first started coming out, there were people who were bitching. About about that, right? They're like, oh, you, you got to use trail cameras to find deer. You, you you can't do it by yourself. And so, you know, there was that. And now it's cell cams and people who just use cell cam or uh, just use regular trail cameras are bitching to the people who use cell cams. They're like, oh, you got to have it. You know, it takes the efficacy out of it and, and all that stuff. So so what's your take on? This type of technology where the the information is coming to you almost instantaneously.
1: Uh, Do you remember last fall when I would text you probably way too often and be like, Dan, I don't know where to go because there's a deer in front of that stand. But I know that there's been a deer coming to that stand. Yeah. So to me, it's a blessing and a curse. And I've heard Nate over in Missouri talk about being at, you know, his kids volleyball game or whatever. And (laughs) big deer walking in front of the camera and he's like, damn it. I should have been out there. Yeah. Um, So I think there's goods and bats about it. I, I obviously the goods are you get camera pictures sent to your phone and, and it's, you don't have to get out in the woods. You don't have to disturb the area. That's really cool. Yeah. But man, when it's, if you've got them on multiple locations, it's just, I feel like that's how my life goes. Is is like, if I decide to go to point A, place A, you know, the deer will be popping up on the camera at place B, and vice versa. So, I, it's just one of those things you have to get yeah. over and, and, and just, you know, yeah. don't overthink it.
0: Yeah, which it. I'm kind of in a good spot, and the reason I say this is because... I don't know if I've made up my mind yet about cell cams and the, the functionality that they have and the bene, benefit that they could possibly have for a hunter because I hunt a lot of river bottom ground or low lying ground that's blocked by terrain and trees. And so not even my cell phone works in the bottom of some of these places that I hunt, which just kind of prevents me from putting a cell cam down in, in some of these really good spots. So I really haven't had the ability to use that type of technology to its full functionality yet. However, I know guys who use the what the the link system where all they need is one camera uh, within cell service, and then they daisy chain to each other, right? Yeah, and yep. so they can get a full, you know, whatever wherever those their trail cameras are hung, they get that. Now, I I also saw a post on social media where this guy's after a giant this year and he has like 17 or 18 uh, cell cams uh, or it's either a cell cam or it's that daisy chain system in like a 40 acre area. Right. And so he has got this buck pegged. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if he shoots it opening, you know, opening day, knowing exactly where it's coming and going. So, so the question I have is, when we start doing something like that where there's so much data and there's so much, it's it's damn near real time. And, and mark my words, I have a feeling that within the next five years, we're going to have the capability to live stream the woods to see what's going on and to see if there's d- deer currently there or, or things like that. Right. And even if it's worth going stepping out hunting. So. What I want to know is, in in your opinion, what are your thoughts about this this type of technology really taking away from the woodsmanship and learning, actually learning how deer use terrain and deer, like natural deer movement?
1: Yeah, so it's an old saying: you can't kill a deer from your couch, right? But if you have a live stream camera out there, you almost could. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Um, No, I'm with you, and I'm kind of. I I like to consider myself more on the traditional side of things as far as learn how to scout in the woods. I'm not good at it by any means, but there comes a point if you've got 30 cameras on 40 acres trying to pin a deer down. Like, how much fun is that, Mm -hmm. right? Part of the fun is not knowing what's going to pop up in front of you, where you know it's going to come from, and all that kind of stuff. To me, I I just like the idea of being able to see what's there, and yeah. and a lot of times, you know, it's it's in it's in the middle of the night, yeah. But it's like that monster was walking through there, and uh maybe you get to see him, maybe you don't. I I don't know. I've got one out right now, and it's it took. I was talking to you about it a week or so ago. It took a whole week before a deer walked in front of that. Yeah. And I hear I thought I had a great spot pinned down. Um. Now since. That, that wait, and of course, that week was terrible waiting for pictures to come through. But it made me think all right, maybe I need to reevaluate where I'm going to set this camera and potentially hunt because I'm not getting anything. If you have 30 cameras out there, that's, that's no fun. Like, yeah. part of the fun is finding the deer and trying to read the maps and the sign and everything out there. So, and I guess that's a personal opinion that I find that fun. And some yeah. people, Maybe they don't, and if that's a way to get people into the industry or into, into hunting, I guess it's a way to do it. I'm not sure it's I don't how like I it. would go about it. I, I don't yeah. like
0: that because I feel like the people, and this is not to cast judgment on people. I You know, like every time it's like, this isn't to cast judgment on people, and then I'm going to cast judgment on people, right? Um, so the way I look at it is this. They want to they wanna skip certain parts of it and just kill the giant right? The, the, the end result is all they care about. It's not about the, the process to them. So right. I'm going to put out, I'm going to put out a hundred trail cams and that are going to have all this information coming to me. And then I, it's, that is going to make my decision on where I want to hunt. And then obviously there's devil's advocate for everything I just said, but I think what they're really trying to get at is they want a big antler deer. Right. And that's all they care about is a big antler deer. They want to shoot the biggest buck. They don't really care how they do it. They just want it done. Um, That's my personal opinion. A lot of people out there would will will disagree with that and say, well, I mean, there's no real difference. I mean, a cell cam isn't doing anything for me on where I have them hung right now, because one one farm where I have a cell cam is like an hour and 15 minutes if I left right now. I would get to that farm in probably an hour and fifteen hour and twenty minutes. Uh, so, a lot a deer can go a long way in that in that time. But if you live on the property that you hunt, man, I really do feel that a cell cam could have an absolute. Oh man, he came. Th- it, especially if if it's patternable, right? If you're hitting two tr- two cell cams and then he hits a third one. And then the next day he hits the two cell cams, and you have the time to just kind of hop out and get into the woods and cut him off. I I really do feel like there there is, I mean that that's an option. Now does it happen all the time? Probably not. But uh, I don't know. I there there come there's got there's got to come a point where I don't know. Like it just becomes unfair, and and I don't. And this is going to sound kind of bold but rifle hunting right when you're shooting a deer or an elk at like 500 600 yards Mm -hmm. that deer doesn't have a chance to use any of its defense mechanisms to to beat you right and one of the defense mechanisms that animals have in the wild is the ability that they know the terrain better than you do right they they know how to walk through there they live out there they know when something's off and so when when you put no pressure on a property because you have 100 cell cams on it or whatever and then a deer you start to pattern deer movement you're taking huge you're taking like a, a huge chunk out of their you know defense mechanism because this technology is showing you what they're doing and so i don't know that's 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 me being an asshole really is what what i'm saying
1: no no I I'm with you. And, and, and I have cell cams,
0: dude. I I have cell cams.
1: So we had Dustin Huff on our show this few weeks ago, um, months ago, whatever it was that dude shot, whatever the the second biggest, uh, typical buck in North America history or whatever. Um, he didn't have cameras out on that. Like he legitimately got lucky and had a, a monster deer walk out in front of him That changed his life and everything. It's that's part of the best part of that story. Yeah, is that he wasn't sitting there with thirty cameras on. Now, some of his neighbors they had pictures of him, but Mm -hmm. Dustin didn't know. And I mean, that's a whole other story. Great, great dude. But that's I feel like if he had said, "Yeah, I had thirty cameras on him, and I was I saw where he was going every day for the last three years." Like, okay, that's not as cool of a story. Yeah, Um, and part of hunting, I mean, yes, it fills your freezer, it covers, puts stuff on your walls. But it's the, it's the stories and stuff that go with it. So yeah. I don't
0: know that we're getting a little philosophical, I guess. Yeah. All right. Cams, uh, you know, we've talked about all that stuff before. Um, now I want to talk about apps and what, there's, there's two types of apps. There's the mapping side of it. And then the pre, uh, prediction, the predictive deer movement side of that stuff. So from a, uh, f- from a technology standpoint, like again, there's groups of people like, dude. I, I have I never used uh, Onyx or Hunt Stand or any of those uh, other digital mapping type of apps. I've just used you know Google Earth or I've used I don't know Google Earth's a bad example because it's pretty much the same thing, but it, it, you know where you're going, you know who owns the property and things like that. So, but what I will say is that per- those, that particular technology has really changed the way I hunt. And I feel if I could no longer use a hunt stand in my Western hunting, or I would be almost completely lost. I would have to use regular maps to try to find public hunting or access routes and things like that. And I just, that's a technology that I don't think I could ever come back from.
1: Yeah. So we go, I go over to Pennsylvania just about every, every year uh, and hunt the big woods. And for a long time, all we had was these, these old fashioned topographic maps and you would have to sit there and, and basically try to memorize, all right, I'm, this guy's going here, this guy's going there. Uh, you know, you're going to end at this, this spot. That those maps have changed that game. Right. Yeah. When I go out in the woods, I almost think it's like a safety factor is to me, um, that you're not wandering in the wrong place, you're on the right public land, you're not on something you know, trespassing, all those kind of things. I You can't rely on them 100% because I don't think they're always up to you know, speed and, and the imaging and stuff from your scouting. That's a different story, but like when you're out in the woods, especially someplace that you're not super familiar with, it's a, a safety yeah. mechanism to me, essentially. So, again, back to the Swiss Army Knife, now you, you've got this map that you would have used to have to carry in your backpack or whatever um on your phone. So I think that the technology on that is exceptional, but I don't think it's something that you can take and and only use that. Yeah. Right. So when I first started doing the e scouting stuff, I'm thinking to myself, oh yeah, dropping pins all over this one piece of public and like, this is gonna be great. This is gonna be great. Then I went to actually like scout it on the ground and I realized real quick that those areas were not very huntable, whether they didn't have trees or were so thick that you couldn't walk through or inaccessible, whatever. And it was just like, okay, back to square one. So now when I sit there and look at the map, it's, it's, I put these pins down knowing in my mind like this, maybe this will work, but is this actually a swamp? Is it,
0: you know, whatever. And yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Well, according to some of the people that I talked to, um, you know, back in the day, they had you know when when the west or when the entire uh country went to like a section system right i was like i don't know if you've ever been out west or have been in in the middle of the woods or even on some pieces of property all property boundaries as far as sections are concerned have those metal stakes in them and so when i was out in nebraska you walk up to uh, a fence uh, corner and you see, the actual stake that they put in the ground in like 1912 or something like that. Uh, so, so then digitally they have the ability to layer all of that information on a digital map. And so, from an accuracy standpoint, that like uh, hunt stand and Onyx are probably more accurate than what. Some people who own the land actually realize like, hey, man, you're 10 foot off this way or you're 10 yards or whatever the, the case may be based off of that. So um, what that what this has allowed me to do personally was take more risks and go in deeper to public, you know, the public ground that I hunt out west, knowing that I there I'm not going to get lost. Because I, even when the, like out West, the terrain in certain spots just all looks the same. You go up a hill, it just looks the same. You go down a hill and you go back up it and it looks all the same. So it'd be easy to get turned around out there. So what that allows me to do is it allows me to be more aggressive in in going deeper and further in knowing that I'm not going to get lost coming back out. And, and so again, I just keep going back to that. uh, Those hunting apps have really changed, excuse me. Uh, those hunting apps have really changed the game on uh, what I've done, you know, how I hunt. And even even on the uh, farms that I hunt close to home, where I know they're only 100 acres or 40 acres or something like that. So I know them in and out because I've hunted them a long time. Just looking at that and being able to break down access routes has been a huge game changer for me, even on the, the Iowa whitetail side of things. So, um, for me, I would say that of all the technology there is that those types of apps carry the, the largest weight for me.
1: Yeah, actually last night I was looking at some areas. So in Ohio, we don't have a ton of public land. I think it's like two and a half percent of the total, uh, state is, um, public. But i'm looking at this one area i couldn't believe how many places these little pockets that i was finding i'm like oh i didn't know that was huntable public land and i didn't know that was huntable public land so uh the ability to give you you know potentially new options that from a normal old-fashioned map you couldn't see i think that's huge too yeah Um, but you said the access and trying to get into those areas and trying to figure out okay mrs smith i need to go ask her um if i can cut through there or whatever uh, yeah. it makes makes things a lot a lot easier and i'm with you i think that would definitely be
0: one of the top technological advancements in in hunting over the last few years yeah now on the same the same thing we have uh products like deer cast uh, the jury's put out deer cast it is a um what's the terminology uh a, a predictive deer movement we have spartan forge and i think there's a couple other other ones out there, but those are the two main ones that I can think about that say, Hey, it's a good day to go hunting in your area or it's a bad day to go hunting or whatever, however they rank it poor versus excellent things like that. What are your thoughts on, on deer movement technology like that?
1: Well, I think I know your thoughts on that (laughs) (laughs) already, but the, uh, it's funny. Dan, Paul uh, and I were talking Yesterday we both had cameras that were lighting up, right? And I'm I'm one of these people, man. I have to know why a plus b equals c. I gotta figure out why these things go together. We both had cameras that were lighting up. Not just dozing and stuff, but uh, first of all, that's that's okay in my book. But um, the we're trying to figure out. I'm sitting there trying to figure out why why is Paul's lighting up and a completely different property than mine is lighting up. And I, start, and I went over to the Spartan Forge app, and and I don't know how he does it. I don't know what they use in the analytics and algorithms. Everything's moneyball nowadays. But, like, we both have cameras in transition areas. And that said that the deer would be active in the transition areas. And that worked. Yesterday, it worked really well. Uh, it was spot on. So uh, it made sense. Now, today, I, and that was, like, one of those cases where – I noticed the deer were there and I went back and I kind of tried to put one and two together. But, um, today they might supposed to be in transition areas too. And I might get zero pictures, but I won't ever think about it because there was no pictures to look at. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I think there's probably something to it, but then again, every time we're trying to figure out what wild animals are doing, is there really, is there really something to, all those the moon and the wind and this and that and whatever i don't know
0: yeah uh i couldn't agree more and here's what i'll say is i um a lot of people in my uh 10 years ago even today i guess you could say this but the moon phase right Everybody has been like, dude, moon phase. Oh, moon phase. You got some of the the best deer hunters, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with product placement and them owning a company or whatever, but there's, there's some big deer killers out there that say, you know, Hey, moon phase plays a huge role in deer movement. Okay. So I I try it out one year and I'm just like, man, it's today is supposed to be a good day based off moon phase to go get in the tree stand. Um, and so I get out. And I saw a shit ton of deer. I'm like, holy cow, man, this moon phase thing's legit. <laughs> well, that day I thought it was legit. But then the rest of that week and that month or that year as far as, you know, the rut and the hunting season's concerned, nothing matched up. And so to me, and, and for the working guy, I don't think that moon like a moon phase should particularly be a a huge should i or should i not go hunting tonight type of thing i think you should always go hunting if you if you have limited availability i would hate for a guy to go well the moon phase is not right tonight i'm gonna sit out and not you know and not do this so when it comes to like this predictive deer model that we're that we're talking about now from my from my um Understanding Spartan Forge, and you know, I, I don't quote me on any of this, but Spartan Forge is based off of collared deer movement. Okay, so whatever the deer are doing or have done, because I'm sure there's some kind of delay in the data, but whatever they're doing or whatever they have done then translates to whether you should or should not go hunting. Well, unless there's collared deer that they're tracking in your area let's just let's boil it down to a county in the state in that you live in unless there's collared deer in that county in that state then i look at that and go well that's not accurate because why would deer in i'll just use ohio as example if a deer's moving in ohio and usually when it comes to weather weather patterns it hits iowa first then it comes through illinois indiana and 24 hours to you know 48 hours later that's when you guys hit get that weather so if that if all that data is coming from deer that are 200 300 400 miles away that can't that can't help me at all the the weather everything that they use to calculate in that algorithm is different there than it is here so unless that those collared deer are in my county then i don't I, I just, I look at that and I go, I can't get, I can't get behind that type of stuff. Um, now, yeah. but I, I will say this to defend Spartan Forge. I've had this, I've had him on the hunting gear podcast. So go listen to that podcast. And he does a, a really good job of explaining all the details that go into whether or not a day is good or bad or, or whatever. And I'll take
1: it one step further, Dan, like you talk about the weather and that's a, that's a great example but what happens if a coyote kicked them out and they started moving or the neighbor is harvesting his crops or, yeah. you know, a Bobcat walked through something that, that gets these things up on the moving their feet. For, no, for, for no reason. Yeah. Right. Um, weather's a big part of it. I think any of these things that we've talked about, they're tools, right. right. And you know, the, the carpenter doesn't just go in to do a job with a, with a hammer. He needs all kinds of stuff and we can utilize these, you know, try to make the best predictions and, and try to be the most successful, and I think it's really up to each hunter to decide, you know, is having 30 cameras out what you really want? Or is, is it having, you know, 10 different apps telling you something? Or do you want to try to go for the challenge? And I think there's times where I'll go out in, in the public land and, like, I'm not going to look at anything. I'm right. going to go out and I'm going to play the wind when it's out there. And I might check the weather to make sure I'm not going to walk out in a thunderstorm. But, like, uh, you know, you take the challenge that you want. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then there's uh, the other one, it's Deercast. And from my understanding, uh, I, I did one with Matt Drury about uh, Deercast, I believe, recently. And he goes into the ins and outs of what that is. And it sounds to me like their algorithm is more weather focused, with this is where it kind of gets tricky. It's weather focused, right? So if it drops 10 degrees, Then it'll trigger something or like if there is a a weather pattern and there's skew, like big drops or big spikes in, like let's say a big spike in uh, barometric pressure or a big dip in temp. Those things are calculated heavy in that algorithm. But the thing I don't understand is when they start talking about and and years of experience from Mark and Terry Drury. okay, Mm. those guys they they are what some believe to be the best like uh, i'll just use mark jury for example the dude analyzes absolutely everything he he looks at i've heard rumors of like he will look at every picture on a trail camera not just for the big bucks right he'll he'll look at a doe and he'll analyze that particular picture and why that why is that doe doing that thing and he he basically reverse engineers everything, and and so he's he is he is a madman when it comes to that stuff, right? And some that attention to detail pays off for him, but where it doesn't for me, I would say, is when I can't like do the Drurys hunt any of the farms that I hunt. No, do like are they the same style? Are they the mobile hunter? Are they the um, are they hunting high-pressured public? Are they like, no, no, they're not. So none of what they're doing lines up with what I'm doing. And so it's not relatable to me. And, and so does the, from the weather standpoint, yeah, I can understand how um, a a predictive deer movement uh, on a weather app like that, but then their experience hunting is so much different from mine that I just, you know, like, It's for like, I just keep coming back to it's not relatable for me. So I feel like the only way you would really know is if you put a lot of time on your own property and you're able to catalog that, whether it's mentally or in a journal or something like that, and say, okay, uh, I know what the deer are going to do today, or I have um, some kind of forecasting knowledge of data. And we're going to talk about that here in a second. Which will lead me to make my own decisions, not based off of what it, what an app, kind of an app does, or an app, a predictive deer app says. Yeah, I'm with you. I
1: I don't have any of the antlers on my wall that the druiers have, so perhaps they are. You know, they've got that much time to, to spend on that. I don't. Yeah. Um, so having a little app that give you some insight,
0: you know, that doesn't. Yeah. yeah.
1: But to me again, nothing beats boots on the ground yeah, and fact. you know,
0: so fact. All right. So let's check this out now. And th- and this kind of leads up into, it's not an app. It's only a computer. It's only computer technology as of right now. I don't know if they're ever going to make an app out of it, but it is a product called deer lab. And it is a place where you can upload all of your trail camera pictures. And, it pulls the information from your trail camera as far as the time. The, te- uh, the time is concerned, I believe. Then what it does is the uh, time and date. Then what it does, uh, it, you have to put in a location on a map of where that trail camera was hung. Then it will go back and it will pull historic weather data from that date and that time and so what you're doing here is, is then, you, then let's say you're looking for a specific buck. And what I did when I was using Deer Lab was I made an account and I put shooters on it. So any trail camera picture that I had of a buck that I would determine a shooter, not, a, not necessarily a specific deer, but a shooter caliber deer, I would enter that into the system. And it, it, it's actually pretty cool. Right. So what it does is it calculates all of that information for you um, on that specific trail camera, and so when you have enough data points from that, you can look at that and um, and say, for example, I had this one trail camera in this big pinch point, a trail that ran through a pinch point, and I could see that most of the time there was a a big swing in the data where more shooter deer would come through that pinch point on northwest winds between October 16th to, I believe it was like October 16th through the 28th at 6 p.m. at night. So that tells you right there, well, shit, the next time there's a northwest wind, but in in that date range or any northwest wind, the chances of me encountering a deer on those conditions are better than let's say a south wind or an east wind and and then so what you can do is you can you, you put that across entire an entire farm uh, or multiple hunting locations and then you what you can do is you can look at that area where that trail camera's hung and you can get say okay what's the data on this oh this is a south this is definitely movement on south winds here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hunt here. Or it's a northwest wind, or it's a um, an east wind, or it's a time of year where hey, this buck tends to come through on the first week of November every single year. I want to make sure I'm hunting that particular stand on those specific conditions, and so um, I, I I definitely see that as being a benefit. Now, can you, can you go out and do all of that yourself by doing all the research and keeping a spreadsheet? Yes, you can absolutely do that. But uh, uh, a product like that, I feel, especially if you manage your own farms and you have access to do a lot of deer management per se, I feel like that would be a, uh, an actual, a, a pretty good uh, set of, I don't know, uh, technology to use now Dan I know in theory it does sound great yeah. have, have you had
1: success doing that um or do you know anybody who actually utilized? and that doesn't go just for the deer lab any of this stuff but they said you know I used this specifically when that day when that wind, and killed this big buck
0: yeah so here's what I'll say on that um no with an asterisk and i'll tell you why in 2018 i shot a buck i had a south i had a southwest southwest wind and i was sitting up in a staging area and there was a standing cornfield and it had just rained right and this this stand location was more uh i love hunting staging areas and i also love hunting um right after it rains i mean like this was a a two-day rain i got in there right as the rain stopped first deer that came through was uh the shooter that i shot and so i had intel from trail cameras that i that i documented uh him on right in deer lab with that said I drew a straight line on a map between where I got the trail camera pictures and where I found his shed and another trail camera photo of him from a previous year. And I went and I sat in that terrain feature because I I didn't really know where he was at. And he, then he showed up in that, in that terrain feature that day. So long story short, um, no, I didn't technically go into that specific area but I did use the data from deer lab to help m- me make a decision on to uh, what side of the farm I wanted to hunt. If yeah. that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. And I mean, to me, again, I'll just, these are all tools, yeah. right? And I don't think in today's society, we all want that silver bullet, you know, what's going to tell me where the yeah. deer are and, and all this kind of stuff you might, you know, but nothing goes back to, I mean, you have to, you, you were talking about hunting after the rain. There was yeah. somebody I was listening to the other day that was talking about that's their favorite time ever to hunt. Well, yeah. there you go. You had that. You had a pinch point. You had shed. You know, historical reference off of that. So you were putting all these pieces of the puzzle together and right. make it work. Um, you practice shooting your bow, right? You you got a range finder. You know what you're. You, yeah. so you have to. You know, you can have a, a range finding sight but if you know that you're really only accurate out to 30 yards then you have no business, you know, 40 whatever. Yeah. All these tools together can help you be a more successful hunter and I think it's just kind of utilizing the technology that you for what you want, right? If you yeah. if you're only going to go after that big massive buck or if you're just trying to fill the freezer or you know, just going out to the woods to get away, like that's the kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. So. Um so we talked a lot about those those things. Um, real quick, I want to run through this next one because I want one really bad. I want an e-bike.
1: Okay, you get one, and then you can send one over my way. Too, okay. <laughs> Dude,
0: I want an e- e-bike real bad, um, and some of the reasons are because in certain states, on certain properties, if a e bike is under a certain wattage, you can use it, right? If it's above a certain wattage, it's considered a motor vehicle- Um, and you can't use it but on some of the properties that that i hunt in the states that i hunt i think i can i can use that and so uh, that's one piece of technology that i uh, because i i'll tell you this i went on a six mile hike two december's ago in south dakota and it was 12 degrees outside uh at the high for the day and as the sun was going down it got really cold i mean it was negative temps wind wind was howling and so i was like three and a half miles back at that point so i turned around and had to come home
1: So devil's advocate, if you were on a bike, if you were on a bike, how much colder would it have been? It doesn't matter.
0: It (laughs) it would have
1: been been like in Dumb and Dumber, where he's like, you had a fair pair of gloves this whole time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, I believe it probably would have been colder because I would have been going moving faster. With that said, I would have spent less time out in the wild, and I would have been able to ride this bike back quicker, get out there quicker, ride the bike back quicker, thus spending less time walking. Now... The old me goes pussy, right? <laughs> you know, make, saying saying that. But then the the new me is like, man, if if it's legal, why not, right? I don't see any issue with it. I mean, on most of these uh, properties out west, there's cattle uh, on them or some kind of you know rancher working it. Um, it's not like it's 100% no vehicle on some of these properties, but um, so. I don't know a little bit of me goes i if i had an e-bike i'd be able to get back further i'd be able to stay longer in certain spots i would be able to potentially you know use that camp haul ass back camp instead of going maybe mile two miles in i could go three four five How you know however you know the terrain whatever the terrain allows so I don't know, man. I, I've been really looking into that and looking at the rules and regulation, and that's definitely a rules and regulation thing. Like certain properties in certain states allow it, other properties in other states do not allow it. So it, it is it is property specific, and you got to know the rules and regs. Yeah,
1: and I don't I don't know what Ohio's like as far as that goes. We're usually pretty good about. Um, I won't say we just do every we can do everything, but we've got a lot of leniency. Anybody who knows me knows I I can, if I can justify something, I'm probably going to find a way to, <laughs> to get it. And my wife is, she'll, she's the first one that will tell you that, you know, I whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I haven't been able to figure that one out yet. And yeah. one of the guys we go to Pennsylvania with up in, uh, I mean, National Forest and all this kind of stuff, big mountains, uh, he he has one and he'll take it out for turkey season. Yeah. So the weather cooperates on these, these dirt trails and stuff and it's it's perfect yeah um i'm not up there hunting turkeys enough in the spring to to utilize something like that and the properties generally that i'm on uh i'm not sure it would really work as well as walking into so for me yes i would love to have one i think it'd be really cool to have but again i i don't know i can't justify it
0: yet yeah yeah uh the other thing is ozone thoughts on ozone love it love it yeah love
1: it i mean uh, I, whatever, a few years ago, tried it out and I've got one, of, uh, uh, what I've sent crusher, I think is is the brand, but yeah. it's one of these closet things. You run your stuff through it. And I mean, I've, I've had deer just like right underneath me. I don't have one of the entry ones. Um, I think you run one of those, but Ozonics, to, yeah. yeah, to me it is, it's worth, it's worth it. And yeah. here, here's one, when we go up to deer camp there the one year, uh, I don't know. I was sitting there in the woods. This would have been like the second or third day. And uh, I could smell myself. And when I say that, I, I'm not talking BO. I'm talking, I f- smelled like elk Philly cheesesteaks and cigarettes <laughs> from the cabin, right? Uh, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, this isn't good. If I can smell myself, you know what the deer thinks. So I came back, ran my stuff through the the tub, and it was like brand new, fresh, yeah. right? And it, it just, to me, totally worth it to neutralize that. Um, if anybody hasn't used it, the only thing I would say is caution you with rubber materials because I did chew a pair pretty good with
0: it. okay um, but because it can break that down, I guess. yeah, and uh, certain elastics but, as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. Um, I love it more for the out of the uh, tree like I, I like I never I take one shower a day when I'm at my deer hunting camp, right And when I'm out west, Well, I don't necessarily use ozone out West per se, but I did, I do bring some along for maybe a quick treat, a quick treatment, but I wash my clothes less. I take less showers. Um, I spend less money on soaps and products like that. And so I, I, I go ahead and I use, I use ozone to clean my clothes every before every hunt. I run like a 30 minute cycle and it's amazing. Like it does exactly what I, I feel. It does exactly what it's supposed to do and uh, kill odor and kill bacteria. And so, I mean, doctors in dentists' offices use it. So it's got to be doing something, right? Now in the tree, I've seen it work amazing and I've seen it work so-so. But since I started, you know, and this was back in, shit, 2000, when did Ozonics start? Like 2012 or something like that? I I started using it and I definitely, definitely, definitely noticed uh, a a difference in deer before they bust you, right? And so before they bust you or if they even bust you. And so it saved me, it has saved me throughout the years on a handful of hunts. And even if it's just once, that's a lot, right? Especially for someone who's got a full-time job. So I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for ozone.
1: Yeah. And I think I've heard it described, like, it's almost like they, they can smell it. But yep. it doesn't startle them as much. Um, it's not a
0: threat. It doesn't trigger their threat sensor.
1: Yeah. So. But again, again, it's a tool, right? It yep, is a absolutely. tool in your, your tool chest. If you step in gas on your way to at the gas station on the way to the woods, it doesn't matter how much ozone
0: you were using, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Um, we're running out of time here, but is there any other technology that you use or have heard about that you don't currently use but are intrigued about?
1: I learned, this isn't really new technology, I don't think, but last year I had a, a massive battle with mosquitoes, so the old thermic cell yes. uh, side, of, side of technology, that that was a must that will be going with me everywhere this year.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I don't have one. I've never used one, and a lot of it is because where I hunt, there's not a lot of mosquitoes because it's not like wet, it's not necessarily terrain for mosquitoes, but... I there was a time this past year. Oh man, I was in the middle of Nebraska and it was real swampy, and we just got murdered by them. And I wish yep. I, I, definitely wish I had one. So, so um, yeah. Other than that, uh, Andrew, man, really appreciate the time. Uh, I know this was last minute today, so thank you very much for hopping on and and bsing with us for a little bit. Um, if I I highly recommend going and listening to their guys, those guys, the uh, Ohio Outdoor podcast with Andrew and Paul and the rest of the crew there. Um, Those guys are killing it. They have a really good podcast. So kudos to you guys and uh, good luck this season, man. Yep. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it.